you start to question your value. You start to question your self-worth. Like the more money you got, the more successful you are, and most people really do buy into that. But really, I just needed a break. What I love is helping people. I'm Julie Bauke, and welcome to The Evolved Career, a podcast where we help you determine what truly does matter most to you and how it can have a profound impact on your life. I'd like to welcome Scott Sloan. Scott is the on-air personality at 700 WLW Radio, based here in the Midwest. WLW has 275-plus million monthly listeners and covers Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, and even little slices of Michigan. And it's simulcast on XM Radio on Channel 173. Welcome, Scott. Cut that out. We're not, we're not on XM anymore. You're not anymore? Okay. Nope, nope, nope. That's okay. all. Kentucky, Kentucky, and Michigan. Pick yeah, it up like, from the top. Okay. Ohio, Kentucky, Welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. Wow, I, that's that's making me nervous. I had no idea we had that many. Listeners. You had no idea you were I that had big no of a deal. Idea. Yeah. So, so the reason on you're the on here is because I wanted the opportunity to turn the mic because every Wednesday at ten thirty mm-hmm. on seven hundred WLW, and you can tune in live right. on your that internet thing you have, iHeartRadio app, iHeartRadio yep. app mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. I am the career Sherpa on yes. your show, as right. you named me. Every I Wednesday did. morning at 1035. She's very good at what she does. And I wanted to get some control back, and I wanted to be the person to ask the questions. So here we are. That's fair. Okay. So today we're going to talk about your illustrious career. With 275 million listeners per month, and I know every one of them is only turn, tuning in to hear you. <laughs> yeah, right. I know you've we're, got we're people lucky. listening in breathless anticipation mm. for the story behind the man. All right. Okay. Are you ready to bear all? I want to bear all, yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank heavens this is only audio. Oh, thank God this is. All right. You know, check right. out the vlog. That's, That's a different right. story. Okay. So you spend a lot of hours a week talking. Yes. Describe yourself in three words. I am really dumb. Wait, that's four words. <laughs> See, there you go. Just proving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think um, just describe myself in three words. Yeah. Like, um I don't know. That's that's rather difficult because I think it changes day to day and hour to hour. Um, simply because I don't know if the it's the ADHD. Um, I don't know if it's because I am a man of uh, I have different um, I guess goals, aspirations, and those change daily. I don't know if that's normal or not. It depends on what day it is, what week it is, what month it is, what year it is, and so priorities change and. Um, yeah, and, and radio certainly is my bread and butter, there's no doubt. But, um, you know, I'm watching the industry change, but it's always changed. Ever since I began doing this. Um, How many years ago? I uh, went to college at Bowling Green State University in Ohio and graduated there in 1989. And uh, luckily, outside of some bouts of unemployment, I have been on the air ever since. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in radio since 1989? Easily, it is the it's the advent of the internet. It's it's the democratization of what we're doing right here. Uh, podcasts, for example. I mean, technically, I am on my competition if you think about it, because it wasn't long ago where you turn on the radio, you get information, entertainment, um, maybe some sports, uh, and now everything is so fractionalized, which I think is a wonderful thing. It's a great challenge too, because it's taken that that gate gatekeeping that power outside of a, a chosen few and given it to the people. Uh, journalists. Journalism is the same way. That's why journalism is going through the 
to the strife it is right now is because it's become democratized, which is bad because, you know, we talk about quote unquote fake news, whatever you want to believe about that, versus things like the Arab Spring, you know, and it's wonderful to see people be able to be their own journalists to report live and, and give the unvarnished truth out. So it's always been changing, but I think more rapidly in my lifetime, more to the last probably even five years, I would say that we are evolving more towards spoken word, which is available in podcast form. Podcasts are huge um, uh, outside of what I do on the radio. And so to answer your question, that's why it's always changing is because it seems like every day there's something new, a new component, a new piece uh, of the puzzle that's changing and going away. And I know some people complain and lament about the old days, you know, older people, not you, of course. <laughs> me, of course. Old, older, older folks. Well, oh, my, I'm back in the yeah, old days. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, well, the old days are gone. Old days are, the old days now, it's moving changing so quickly that the old days aren't two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. The old, guy, the old days were uh, two hours ago. That's what how quickly you, everything's changing. Yeah. What do you miss most about your earliest days in radio? I think today, and this is probably true for yourself or any social influencers, because technically I'm a social influencer, even if not, not on media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that too, is the fact, and I think most people in the public I would do this, is the fact that it's 24-7, 365. It is nonstop. You know, before you get out there, you'd be done, that be it. And, and now it's miss. social media. It's, it, it, it's just, it's constant. So you miss the sort of the, the, the start and end, the, the bookends. There's no that start and end. The sure. whole, right. everything is on, turned up to 11 all the time. How was your life different back then when you were operating in radio during those days when there was no social media? It was easier and harder. And by that, I mean that um, social media, the demands of that and keeping up with digital. And it's just, it's even when you're not on the air, you're still on the air because, you know, there's blogs and uh, um, so back then that was easy. Now the flip is it's much easier today to prepare a show because of the internet because I can find information out in 10, 15 seconds that before you didn't have privy to uh, and get much more in-depth and, and much more granular on things if I want to. Um, and, and I can find that information out in seconds whereas – 20 years ago, you didn't have the internet. And so it would all be opinion-based. There'd be a lot more rumor. So, you know, I know today the the atmosphere is about, you know, a spin and and putting a spin on certain ideas and topics, but it's so easy to find the truth out. And most, most people don't have time to do that, mind you. And I feel like, you know, obviously I have an opinion, but I try to get the, you know, the facts out there and make a decision based on that or a conclusion based on the facts. But that's what I'm saying is it's so much easier to find that stuff. You don't have time to do it because your life is also 365 nonstop. So um, it, it's, it's good and bad. Like anything in life, though, it's yeah. not the good old days. It's, it's, it's the better old days now. So what occurs to me is back you know, when you were a fresh-faced 20, 30-year-old back you think in, I'm not in right the now. 90s. On, the, on radio, you're always a fresh-faced. <laughs> you're face always fresh-faced. <laughs> it was very much one-way communication. There's no doubt right? about I mean, you, ju- you said what you said. Yes. You went home. You might run into somebody mm-hmm. at the store right. who might say, well, I disagreed with you. Right. To me, what occurs to me is the the big part of what's changed is it's coming right back at you from everybody with a computer or a phone. Well, the show is used to be – it's three hours, but it's 24 hours, right, because of that, because Twitter? Yeah. You know, people can hit you back on Twitter. But I, I think for talk radio anyway, it's always – that has always been the lure about talk radio is that it's it's a two-way street. Whereas you can write an editorial – I know you had Paul Doherty on before. You can write an editorial opinion piece, but I can't fire back to the writer of that right. after I read it. Mm-hmm. Whereas talk radio, if I'm talking about something, I can call in and discuss it in real time, mm-hmm. which essentially is that's what the internet is, right? Is people will get in, in, in on 
chat rooms and the like or comment sections and go to war with each other. Yeah. Twitter, you're oh, going back yeah. and forth in real time. Facebook yeah. even, it's toxic. And um, we were, to- and I like to say that talk radio was toxic long before it became <laughs> hip. You kids have no idea. That's right. So I was, um, I love to see, I don't know if you've ever seen this segment on Jimmy Kimmel where he has people read the mean tweets. Yeah, yeah. People, yeah, and right, there was right. a special NFL version uh-huh. first today with Absolutely. Tom Brady and a bunch of NFL guys reading back the mean tweets that people had said about him. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty funny. And some of them were just so stupid. But there's a way, and, and it, as they showed the tweets, it was like you could see who tweeted it. And so those people were probably beside themselves mm-hmm. that their heroes were reading these tweets. Yeah. And I love yeah. how he brings it back around. And also how ridiculous people how sound. Yes. How petty, petty and ridiculous. There's no question. Um, one of them was, Tom Brady, I hope your dog eats chocolate and poops all over your something, something, something. <laughs> and he couldn't even keep a straight face. Uh, you know, so what when, – when you get that clap back, when you get those tweets or those comments, um, did it take you a while to learn how to receive that and not be like, WTF, buddy? Not really. I mean, I still get – I'll get something. I'll, go, I'll, be, I'll be fired up about it, but – you know, after a while, it just kind of rolls off your water. But like did it duck. take a but, while to get there? So when it first started, where people were no, not really. You know? I mean, but you're always taking arrows in this business, and you, if you have thin skin, and you can't, the, the number one thing is, um, I, I guess in three words, not too seriously. That would be the one constant in my life. And you asked it okay. to open yep. three words, Love not it. too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. I, I know people in this business, uh, both in and out, it used to be, and it take themselves way too seriously. Like what they say or what they do for a living is so important. I sit, I'm a grown ass man and I sit in a room for three hours and I talk to myself. I have no idea. If be, it's like what we're doing right, right here. Exactly. We're sitting here in a room and there's two microphones and a bottle of water and you've got notes and and we're, we're still, well, I have no idea. You have no idea is listening to people listening right, to this. Exactly. But somehow we think it's important. I mean, what, what kind of occupation affords a grown man to sit in a room and talk to himself for three hours? And then they look at it like, wow, that's really, it's, it's the stupidest job ever. Stupid. When you first started, think back 89, 90, you know, early, did it take a while for your skin to thicken up or have you always been that way? Oh, yeah. It takes a while. I mean, when you're young, you know, everything gets, bothers you. But then, you know, once you get old, like past 30, you don't care anymore. Yeah. 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 Oh, geez. How about when you're 40, 50? <clears throat> uh, yeah. How is that working for oh, you? Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, yes, Enough I'm about still, me, sweetheart. I'm How about still, you? What about you? I'm still vertical. That's all that matters. Um, when you look back, and I, I, I might have you... Tell the story that you told on the show this week when I was there. Those what about oh the pants shit thing moments, the... like when you the when oh, you decide I to wear it was pants. A timer. Yeah, when you decide to start I wearing pants. I walked in you in the restroom. Oh God, stop! It's gonna take me a while to get that, that visual. Which story out of my are we mind. talking about now? When you when you said to yourself, "Holy shit, what have I done?" When you thought you took the wrong job and indeed it was a you did, tell, tell me about that moment. So where... I think, and I and it's good because I thought it was just a radio thing, but you told me. It, everybody's done this everybody's done it. so this was back in the early 1990s we were in uh, and, and how it works is it used to be um, a very transient occupation it's not as much anymore because people get fired and they find something else to do because the economy's good okay. before it's like I'm in a radio and people would try to get out of radio but they get sucked back in because there's a certain culture to it yeah and, it's, and you'll it's go to big, any little yeah any little station you move around and you're trying to move up the ladder and, yeah. and that's why I said the beauty part about today bringing it back is that you know, you don't have to do that anymore. If you if you have a voice and you get on online and do what you're doing, people, companies will find you. They'll right. give you money to do your podcast, the whole thing. So anyway, this was back in the day, 
you didn't have to travel around. So we were just starting out, and it was like the first job we had out of college, um, my partner and I, we did a morning show at the college station. And we got lucky enough because we knew somebody who got a job in a big city in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm. We had no idea what we were doing. I mean, none. The program director at the time, this is like 1990, he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to mold you. And this is a station that went through, I think, I want to say it was something like 12 morning shows in two years. I mean, it was there you a go. revolving Red flag. door. Now but, you know that. But you're young. Then, right? right? Yeah, you're like, you're like I'm going to be okay. I'm going from college to a big market. Like, yeah. I skipped all the B. This is the greatest. They were making yeah. like 20 grand a year, and there's no marketing, and the program director's a cokehead, and he's my partner's scared a to go coke to the- cokehead? Oh, totally. Oh. So this was <laughs> okay. back in, it doesn't happen, it probably does, but back in the old, like in the 80s, you know, the record- labels would come in to meet with the program and music directors and give them, in order to play the music, it's not technically payola, but like, oh, they're playing our stuff. Yeah, here's a bag of Coke. Or okay. here's, you know, okay, nice. we're going to go out okay. with some hookers or is something that like that. Is that why, is that why you have your hand out every time I walk into the studio? <laughs> That's why I'm always going <laughs> like I, that. No, <laughs> um, I, I saw what that did and I've never, ever tried yeah. because this guy, so after a while, he's like, oh, I'm going to mold you the whole thing. And he was new too. He came from some like Scranton or some BS city like that. Anyway, um, he comes in and, and like all of a sudden became a Coke fiend. And we were there like a year and a half, two years. And it got to the point where he was so manic that we had one bathroom on the 22nd floor. And there was an executive bathroom like on the sixth floor. My partner, in order to go to the bathroom, you'd have to go past his office. My partner would not poop in the building. This guy would not shit in the building. He'd have to go down, all the way down to the, to the sixth floor to take a dump because he was so scared this guy was a lunatic. Anyway, we got fired because um, the ratings weren't doing anything. And then like a few weeks later, he got fired. So it was, but anyway, that was the first experience we had in this stupid business. Went to another market, did okay. We wanted to get out. It was in Charleston. We weren't really happy. West my, Virginia? Yeah. My, my folks, we were there for about three years and did pretty well, but we didn't know what we were doing still. So my, my morning show partner and my wife, who we got married right after college, we then moved to um, Youngstown, Ohio. Because um, my parents were living in Warren. Youngstown, Warren's the same city. I went to high school there for a year after we moved um, uh, from New York State to uh, there. So I was only there like a year. But because we were thinking about having a kid and you know wanted to be near my mom and dad. So we finally go, okay, well, that's pretty close. It's in the same city. <clears throat> so we get this job at the station. Everybody's like, man, you probably shouldn't take this job. So we talk, we interviewed, we, we drive. The first time it should have been is we roll in and like the interview is a two hour. So they're driving us around the town or whatever, showing us places. And they don't really, usually when you do a market visit, they have the station on when they're driving around. They didn't have our station. They had a competition <laughs> on going, yeah, we wanted to listen to these guys because uh, we're like, okay, well, whatever. And this is before the internet and, and you know, streaming and all that stuff too as well. So this is Youngstown, Ohio, early 1990s, we were rolling. So we, we like signed the contract. We were like, yeah, let's do this. Get the hell out of here. At least we're in, you know, we're back in Ohio. It's good. Because my partner at the time was from Cleveland. So it's great for him. So it's, it, I'll never forget this. It's pouring down rain, right? And we're driving. We drove like all night. It's good. We're rolling in maybe 10 o'clock at night to stay at my mom and dad's house, my wife and I. And it's raining. So I just get closer to Youngstown, turn, you know, the station on, whatever. I forget what the frequency was. And so we're getting closer, like 20 miles outside the city. Can't hear the station. Five miles out of the city, can't hear the station. Like, what's going on here? Get inside the city limits, still can't hear it. Well, we just got over the city line. Let, let's, we literally were in the town. We just, like, we're getting in my parents' neighborhood and finally could static pick up the station oh, with geez. static. Yeah. Now, the station, it turns out, was way outside of Youngstown, but they're trying to compete there. And I, and I literally was sick to my stomach at the point where I'm, my wife and I are – She's trying to console me, saying, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. She's sleeping. I'm laying in a pull-out sofa in my parents' basement with a bar in my back. Oh, and yeah. I was thinking, what the hell did I just do? Yeah. I yeah. just I just quit my job when we were doing okay and the ratings, they were happy with this, to come here where I'm working at a station where no one can hear it. You know. And, but it worked the, out. 
it, yeah, it, and it's it's part of your story. Yeah. And I think we all, when we look back on the moments, the key moments that took us to places, that took us to each place in our journey, mm-hmm. several of those key moments really sucked. You know, I mean, they were really like, I, you know, I learned, I mean, I always think about, I learned how to be a a manager from yeah. the worst ones I had, right. not from the best right, ones. Right, right, right. Right. And further, yes. I learned how to be a female manager, yeah. kind of growing up in my career in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. from the two worst managers that I ever had you so who were much. women. And they were so easily offended mm-hmm. that it made everybody around them, you know, walk on, you know, walk on eggshells because they just – you just never knew what they were going to – somebody was going to say to offend them. And I, I'm pretty – Difficult to offend, as you know. Um, I thought, wow, that's not a way to build camaraderie. I mean, there's certain things that are just inappropriate. Well, we always say, it. we'll do it differently. We'll do yeah, it differently. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. So I think sometimes we learn more from the experiences that we said. Like in that case, mm-hmm. huge red flag, right? Everybody was warning you against it. Yep. Um, you, there was no free, you had to get probably in the station's parking lot to actually hear it. Yeah. And you took it anyway. And so that probably. Every decision after that, you look back and say, what did I learn from that? I'm going to ask more questions. Yeah. I'm going to trust people's input. Doesn't mean I won't take it, but at least I'll go in with my eyes open and I'm going to mm-hmm. know what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes we stumble in our careers and we think, oh, gosh, I'm never going to get back on my feet. Right. But clearly you did because now you have 275 million people it, breathlessly um, tuning it, but, in. but the thing is, right, is like you could you, – and. If you're younger and you're you're hearing this and maybe you're about to – maybe you did this or maybe you're about to do this, um, the sauce as you get older, it's like all that happened for a reason. I yep. really believe that, that those things make you – you could not do what you're doing now if it's your dream job or on your way to your dream job without those things. And, and thinking about that now, it's funny. I mean, I still remember like shitting bricks at the time, but <laughs> it didn't make it any easier. Yeah. Um, but, but it all worked towards – you know, there, there's an old adage. I'm sure you've heard it. Um, yeah, success has a thousand followers. Orphan is uh, uh, failure is an orphan. Um, I, I don't know if I entirely believe that because I you learn more through failure. I think than success is easy because okay, you hit a certain level. Uh, it's not easy to get there, but once you get there, you know what I'm talking about. But I, I think there's so much more there when you fail and you learn so much more. Yeah. Um, that than you do when you're you're on top because you just you don't hear the noise you know that's it's, right you have problems but they're they're diminished because of the fact you're succeeding at what what you're doing in a career yeah right? yeah and and I think even reframing something that didn't go the way you planned right. um, as just another piece of information that's going to help you moving forward yep. you didn't necessarily maybe you failed at something quote unquote that wasn't right for you anyway and mm-hmm. so there's certainly no no harm in that you know that nope. you have to go you have to continue on this journey to find the place that you're the best that you are the best fit and how we do that is we kiss a lot of frogs along the way mm-hmm. it's just a part of the process so when that's why when uh, millennials and gen zers say guy I sound old and cranky yeah, this is why. Yeah, I know. I know. This I know. is why. I earned my old right, and crankiness. Right, right. I'm an asshole because I've earned it. That's right. I'm get off my lawn guy because yeah. I have the scars mm-hmm. that put me there. So when you talk three hours a day, mm-hmm. um, five days a week for multiple years, mm-hmm. there are certainly times when you think to yourself, oops, I wish I hadn't said that. Yeah. Tell me about some of those for you. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go back uh, way, way back. This is when I first started in talk at a station in Toledo, Ohio. 
Uh, and this really set me up in a sense that uh, good and bad career-wise because it put me on the radar in a good and a bad way. Um, I, I was doing – and there it was more like – just trying to figure out what you're doing because the station is really small and it had no direction, no leadership. And basically, we weren't designed to win. The, the, uh, we have a cluster of stations and uh, we had an F a KISS type station that's on there. Most markets have a KISS. Uh, and that was the big money maker. And there are a couple of them. But we were, you know, and this is in the advent of talk radio too. Rush Limbaugh had just hit his stride and, you know, was blowing up and things like that. But then they tried to get, you know, local politics and talk. And that's what it was back in the day. And it's evolved, especially at LW. It's, it's much better. But anyway, you know, you're trying to make an name for yourself, do stuff, and be controversial. Controversy sold back then, and um, and and at the time, I, I we did a, and it was a bit, and it was a really really bad attempted at humor that involved um, that involved political figures, right, and and the and civil rights leaders too. And in, I don't want to rehash it, but I made a comment that looked literally put me on the national radar, and uh, to this day I regret it, um, and it was terrible because. Um, you know, I, my, I thought, okay, well, my career's over now at this point, and I was able to get out of it. But I think today you you don't have that opportunity. There's no, you know, you can say something and you're trying to grow. And comics do it all the time, and that's kind of where I was coming from, in a, you know, being a comedic background. Um, and it didn't work, and it was an abysmal failure. But I learned so much from that too, and and really came to terms with who I was as a person, also as well. You know, I kind of grew up at that moment, and I learned a lot from it. Um, but I think today, especially with the cancel culture, you know, it's like there's no opportunity to survive anything like that, like a misstep, a misstatement, a misquote, um, something you said, because you'll be attacked in all directions online instantly, because that's what they're looking for, right? And you know, we know that there's evil and awful people in the world that believe horrible horrible things. You know, joking about a horrible thing or attempting to joke, failed, failed joke at something is different than somebody actually being evil, like, you know, making a joke about race versus someone who's a white supremacist. You know, there's right. a huge cavern yeah. between those two things. And yet today we lump all those things together. There's no chance redemption anymore. And yeah. and I think that really is hurting society that For there's sure. no do-over that, okay, you know what, you said you did something, there was an action, you were somewhere, you did something you shouldn't, and the apology isn't enough anymore. It's like, we have to destroy that person. They're not allowed to breed. They can't live anymore. They have to go and essentially be sent off to the uh, land of misfit toys for the rest of their life rather than a shot at redemption. And that's that's anti-American in my opinion because, you know, we should always give someone a shot at redemption. We talk about with career people who are in in jail. I mean, we want you to get out um, out of prison and and redeem yourself, be reformed. We'll give people like that a chance. And yet, if you say something or do something that the public perceives as bad, you'll never have that chance again. Right. It's easier to get away with murder, I think, than a misstatement. Yeah. So have you had to then sort of um, I don't know, kind of re- reset your filter in terms of yeah, you got to be a lot now, more. It's not as a lot more aware. It's not as I'll tell you what controversy used to sell back in the day. Controversy doesn't sell. It's looked at as the enemy. I think at least from a sense of well, I mean, I've listened to podcasts too, and I don't hear anything that's as outrageous as you used to hear. You know, early Stern, for example. You know, the stuff that he does. And I don't listen to Howard anymore. You know, with XM, and I obviously doing thing. But you know, I think a lot of people think shock jock, and that's Howard Stern. He's, he's the greatest of all time. Um, and, and you hear that and you go, wow, the stuff he said that he'd never, he wouldn't say on XM anymore simply because it's just a different climate, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different climate and you've got to be able, if you're going to have longevity in this business or any business, you've got to read the tea leaves. You've got to hang around with younger people to figure out where it's going. Yeah. And, and I think that's the best lesson I can pass along in broadcasting and probably any career, an evolved mm-hmm. career. And that is pay attention to the young people. Yeah. See what they're doing, how they're acting. Right. Don't, now, don't dress like them because you look yeah, like exactly. a dick. Don't no, you don't, don't you wear skinny don't, jeans, don't wear a hoodie. And a little pork pie hat, <laughs> or whatever. Come on, you look like a jerk. 
be a jerk. Yeah, I mean, they're and don't dismiss them. I mean, they're the ones that are setting. You know, yeah, you guys, y'all got to be paying for our retirement, so I'm cool with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to take your we're, money to pay you know for Social Security. We're, and and I get right. back in the day, you know, people were threatened by diversity, but we're, we're a diverse country. We always have been, and it's just, it's always changing and evolving. And I think it's wonderful to see, you know, we need more, and I, I've advocated a long time in talk radio, it's been, it's a sausage fest, you know. We've got all sorts of men <laughs> behind the mind. We don't need any more old, white, conservative men. We're good there, okay? Uh, we, we need people with diverse viewpoints, you know. We need people of color. We need women, more women behind the microphone. I've been trying to help um because i believe in paying forward people have helped me along the way and i'm working with people like that that are you know younger and diverse because those views need to be expressed in talk radio that's the problem talk radio especially you know people like oh it's all pro-trump stuff not me necessarily i don't talk that much about it i will a little bit but it's more about you know life and just just stuff people care about rather than the nonsense of politics and Talk radio has painted itself in a corner for a long time yeah. like that. We need yeah. to get more diverse views, viewpoints out, which is great with podcasting, the internet. Right, that's, exactly. Everyone has that's a the voice answer out to that. There. That's yeah, right. Yeah, no question. So, how would you answer the sentence? I'm at my best when. I think I'm. A, I'm at my best when I am. I think under pressure. Okay. Under stress. Okay. If I got a lot of things going, I'm pretty sharp. Okay. So when you got a lot of balls in the air, you're like <sighs> rocking and rolling, keeping yeah. them all up, moving along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so does that then so you're on the radio, all of a sudden some breaking news comes in. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So I you're one of those it. walk right into the fire yeah. kind of people. I want to be that guy that's in the chair doing that. Yeah. Okay. And so you want the ball at the foul the line ball. when it's tied and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um yeah, in, in radio, absolutely. I, I think, you know, I love handling the breaking news stuff and there's been many times in my show where it's happened and um I just I really uh, being in that moment and, and trying to disseminate and filter all this information. Yeah. And I think the ADHD helps a lot with that too. Like I remember when the Boston, oh no, the uh, I say Boston bombings went, mm-hmm. that was one too, where I was monitoring basically in one channel in my head. So on, and in radio, we're not wearing them here, um, but we have headsets on, headphones. And TV, you know, when they show people on radio, it's like us sitting here with mm-hmm. no headphones on and nice, beautiful studio. All right. It's a shithole generally. It's a studio and the guy sitting there is a guy maybe not paying attention to the other side. If you have a producer, usually it's just by yourself. But you got headphones on so you can hear yourself, hear the callers, hear whatever. Um, so in one earpiece, one my, my right, I had them feeding me or I had actually was, took it myself off my phone and I was listening to our stations in Boston in one ear, watching three TV channels with my eyes in the studio and I've got the closed captioning on so I could read stuff. Um, our news people are talking to me in talkback, and I'm talking at the same time on the air. But I'm getting all these different pieces of information, and it's just coming out. It was real. We did that during the um, during the Fifth Third Bank shooting in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You know, we have everyone in town sadly is having mass shootings, and uh, during that it was the same thing. You know, what's happening? Where's traffic? Calling play by play off the TV. Okay, you know this area of town, but um, it, you know, it, and we're advantageous for us because we're local, obviously too, but. Um, you know, anytime we have a because we're such a big station, if we have a big crisis like that, I really like doing that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, okay, yeah, that's, great. That's the really yeah. I hate the fact that people are dying. Of course, or yeah, of course. Like, but you like to be the at one. At the end of it, nine uh, eleven was a defining moment. Having to, I was on nationally um, at that time after the September eleventh attacks. I had just started at at the station in Cincinnati at WOW. We're talking about, and um, we were we were tasked with okay, well, we're going to go wall to wall on all our stations, all the. Because no one wants to hear Led Zeppelin or Christina Aguilera after your nation, after 3,000 people were killed. And so all our stations went to talk at that time for, I think, 
a lot of them for at least a month, many more for two or three months. And so we were part of a national network um, of, of uh, you know, talked to Glenn Beck, who, you know, just, he started on the same time I did. Um, so I was doing the night shift at the time from Toledo and then Cincinnati. So I was on like all the time. And I, I remember, you know, just literally driving home and driving to work every day, bawling for probably mm. just, I had no other release right. to, to get all that emotion and all that angst and the stress. And it's just something, it had to come out, you know, and it was probably three or four months of doing that. And it was just, it was an absolute blur, but that's when I kind of knew like, yeah, I, I really, I'd like yeah, doing this. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, we talk sometimes when I'm on your show about um, side gigs, about side hustles, side hustle. about the portfolio yeah. career, which right. is you, the people who do more than one thing mm-hmm. um, to create sort of their career picture. That's the best one for them. And anyone who listens to you knows that you, um, your nine to twelve job every day is with your mouth, but you've got mm-hmm. a second thing that you do with your hands. Tell us right. about that. Um, yeah, I'm a professional juggler. And <laughs> mime. I thought you were a mime. Well, it doesn't really involve hands. That yes, it much. does. If you got, if you're in a well, box, I learned and you're from trying you. To get you out. know, I mean, you, you do the, the the Evolve Career podcast. Uh, you're a career coach at thebaukeygroup.com. You've got uh, you drive Uber. You <laughs> also you're a professional. Uh, uh, what do you do with the bulls again? I the bulls. The bull. Get the bulls. Of the you take the what is it from the bulls? That you explain. It, you do it better. We take the bull semen. Oh the, God! <laughs> I'm is thinking that you? the Chicago Bulls one. Of course, I'm a Bulls Julie, cheerleader. New, newly Chicago See now you're tapping on the so table. So tell me Nervous. that's uh, all right. So you build things. You are a handyman. I do. I, I really are... do. So this started when I was a kid. I was the child who took everything apart. Like every toy I had, yeah. I took apart. See how it works. Drive my parents berserk. Could you then put it back together? No. No. no yeah. No. Just leave it. And no. But I want to see how it worked. And yeah. then I wouldn't put it back together and drive him crazy. And I had my dad's tools and I'd lose his tools and he was all pissed. And But I was part of the generation where it's like, listen, um, my dad was – I think my dad probably made more than 40 grand a year, three kids, the whole thing. And he was a, a blue-collar guy. He had an opportunity. He was in the Navy and he, he always had all sorts of jobs going. He was always side hustling before side hustling was a thing. And But the thing was, hey, you're going to be the first one in the family to go to college. Um, and I had no choice in the matter. A lot of kids in the 80s didn't, and I went. I'm glad I did. I met my wife and a whole bunch of other things too as well. But um, I, I always had like if I weren't doing this, um, I would definitely be in the trades or something like that because I always loved tools and building stuff and how stuff's put together, taking it apart. And I watched my wife's dad um, build three houses himself. I mean how? himself. I'd say he didn't pour the concrete or the roof, yeah. but you know all the woodworking. And I watched these things because you'd go to their house and be like, in the in in the nineties and go, he's a you know, he's got the subfloor, it's just plywood and you're getting splinters in your feet and he goes, I want to put a wall here. But over the last twenty years I've seen him build this house and it was gorgeous. He milled all his own uh, a trim and it was fit. and I watched I went, okay, you know what? I, I could I think I could do this. And so started with a few tools and now I've got a huge shop. I just built a um uh, building a thirty five by forty uh, workshop for moving all the tools out of my basement. And into a dedicated space now, um, and you know, building, doing some cabinetry work and things like that. I, we own a bunch of rentals. My wife's in real estate now, and um, yeah, I, I love doing that. And people are like, "Gosh, are you tired of you know?" People call. I need a toilet repaired or whatever. I, I always like doing that kind of stuff and being handy and be able to figure out problems and look at a room and go, "Okay, we can do this or not do this or um, update stuff and things like that." And so, could the, you see I yourself like doing challenge. it full time? Like, if you could rewind the clock, is that something that you think oh, yeah. you would have enjoyed? No, okay. no question. Well, I kind of do it full time. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like time it. now. It's I'm really busy with that stuff, so it's having two full time jobs. But yeah, it's it's been great synergy between our businesses. My my wife was actually in television news for the longest time. Um, she quit 
because it was you know eighty hour weeks, uh, and that business was tough too. And she was really good at what she did too. When no matter where we'd move because of radio, she'd find a better job, you know. Um, and anyway, long story short, she stayed home with the kids for five, six, seven years, and then okay, we want to reinvent ourselves and got into real estate because we thought okay, we want to buy a couple houses and flip them and see how that goes. I don't think we're ready to do this. And then the market fell. The mm-hmm. market crashed in oh, eight. And I'll be damned if her business didn't grow. I mean, she was stagnant year to year. A lot of agents got a business and she grew. She would, I, I think for five, six years, she doubled her business. And we looked at it and went, well, that's not a part-time job anymore. All of a sudden it's become, and now she's her, her own broker uh, for, for Remax and um, she's hiring agents and the like. And it's just, it's been an incredible journey. It really, really wow, has. And so great. we have, um, uh, there's some complimentary things that we do. You know, we get the real estate, she can do that. I do the fixing up maintenance and mm-hmm. I've got my son in that uh, area now and uh, he's helping out. Yeah, I think uh, you bring out. My daughter's a deadbeat, but my yeah. son says... <laughs> Now send her to me. I'll fix her up. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because you um, had an interest in that early, and then you came back to it and mm-hmm. added it into mm-hmm. your sort of your career world. Yeah. But then I love how yeah. you and your wife have kind of integrated what you do, taking the things that you do in common. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're spending forty plus hours a week together, which is probably a good thing for That's most couples. Secret. It is, yeah. but you know, you've got some complementary and overlapping sort of things you do together, and. So you really have this wonderful sort of family career portfolio mm-hmm. that the beauty of that is if it all went away tomorrow, if your radio thing went away tomorrow, if they decided not to renew your contract or you decided you were done. I just signed four years again, so I'm good. Okay, four more years. Okay, in four <laughs> years, if that happened, you will glide. You could glide right into – you don't have to start something up from no, the ground up. No. You've got something already established that you would simply sort of re, you know, reconfigure your mm-hmm. time in how you spend it. No question. And Everybody should have something like that. I, I don't. Everybody. I'm the last guy to be preachy and like oh. be a Tony Robbins motivational speaker kind of do. But l- let me set you straight on something. If you go on, oh man, I don't know if this this career is going to be here. My job sucks. I hate things. Like there's something inside you that you can do. There's something you like to do that you do better than anybody else. That you have a passion for sitting on your ass and watching The Bachelor is not going to achieve that goal. Sitting there and, and going through Facebook for the umpteenth time and going, come my job. Walking in there on a Monday, go my job sucks. I hate my job. Okay, great. I, I know a lot of people I work with, even in radio, that, that do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so you're, the signal there is you can bitch and moan about it, but is that going to change your lie? And, and I know it sounds holier than thou, and I, I don't want to come across that as that, but it's, it's, it's as simple as that is going, okay, what am I good at? How can I leverage my talent? What do I want to do versus what I'm doing right now? And how can I transition that in the next five years? I mean, yeah. 20 years ago, I'd be sitting here going, yeah, I'm on radio. Well, what, yeah. what are you going to else you know? It took some people I've seen in the business to get fired. Yeah. And, and I see where it's going. You know, I'm still pro in the business. I don't know if these towers where you see radio signals come out in 10 years, if they're still going to be around, because the real estate they're on is more valuable than the tower, than the, than the signal itself. We're, you know, we yeah. pulled the curtain back. Yeah. We're selling the properties and leasing it back because the real estate is expensive. It's worth a lot of money where these towers are. So I don't know if AMFM is going to be around, how much longer it'll be around. And it probably will be because it's just the way it is. But obviously, we're moving more towards digital and online and you know whether I'm on the uh, doing a show on an app on your phone or your car or whatever tomorrow brings um, I, I don't know yeah. you know it's headed that yeah. way obviously but 
you know, if you think in those terms like, oh my gosh, I, it's going to be dead. No, people always have what we're doing here. People will always have a need for spoken word, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's something else. So that demand will always be there. Be good at be good at what it is you do. So you look at your career and go, okay, I like the career, but it's changing, and I, I'm I'm really weird. It feels how weird do I change with the, it? Yeah, in thirty years, it's it's not the same, and you go, right. it's not supposed to be the same. It's supposed it's not going to change to meet you. Yeah, if you you're exhausted on yeah. what you do, then. Find something that excites you again. And even, you know, if you're 50, that's not too old. Um, no. If you're 60, it's way too old. But 50. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, but but that's what you want to get out of bed in the morning, right? Right, and, right? and, you know, you're going, well, okay, you're only on three hours a day. Yeah, but, you know, I get about seven hours of sleep. The rest is spent pretty much working at this point because I'm doing different things. And so yeah. if I, anyway, if someone's listening and goes, wow, I, I really am in a rut. I can't stand. You can get out. It's just finding that little thing that you're good at yeah. that no one else is doing. Or maybe somebody's doing, but they're not doing it the right way. Or hire a coach. Like or hire a group. coach that can like get you on the right path. Because, yeah. man, the biggest thing with that is getting out of your own way, getting out of your own oh, head. And I do believe that so there are hard. some people, they, their identity, they've developed their identity around being that complainer. You know, they, they get some, some need met by having, by being the one that people, you know, the, the, the one that complains all mm-hmm. the time. You, right. if, you don't do things you don't get something out of. Right. You don't get some need met. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it, it's crazy. And, and then find that and exploit. It. Now, it's going to take a lot of, lot, you know, you're going to lose out on a lot of um, screwing around time, drinking time, socializing time, Facebook time, bachelor bachelorette time, all, all that stuff. But at the end, you're growing something because, you know, we, we know this. It, there's not going to be that social security net, and it's not enough anymore. Nope, and it's not. You've got to feather your own nest because no one's going to do it for you. And That's by the right. time you're 50, it's too late. So the time to start is this is when you're younger, looking at what you really want to do. But, you know, and it doesn't have to be a big moneymaker either. I mean, we started – I started out doing the remodeling stuff. It's making a couple bucks here or there, and now it's growing something that's – a little bit more tangible, but yeah. that's my point. It's just it's your safety. Net. You got to start someday, somewhere. Yeah. It might be your main thing, and it may, you may meet somebody doing something that totally turns your mind to a different yeah. direction. You know, don't everybody be afraid to... listening has that uh, that potential. It's not easy. You know, there's no career ferry, um, and right. it, t- it takes a lot of hard work. But but you, you know, just find you stumble into it along the way. You can you just pay this. attention to what you're good at. Yeah, you know, what do people come to you for? What do people not come to you for? Stay away from those things. What do you see and go, wow, I really like to do that? Well, yeah. take a class, learn more about it, read a about cool it. Job. Go yeah. on YouTube and learn all you can. You want to, like, I like cars. Okay, well, what can I do with a car thing? Can I detail cars? Can I own a dealership someday? Can I Restore be a mechanic? Yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's there money is, in that side hustle. Yeah. So. so, the typical life expectancy of an American Caucasian male is just over 78 years. Oh, so I feel I'll bad let for you Caucasian do, males. Know, I'll let you do the math. Um, when so someday when you're gone and people are talking about you, mm-hmm. how do you hope they will complete the sentence? The most profound impact Scott made in his life was. I would say um, using using my experiences to help other people, or using my platform to help help people. Okay, that will, will be it. Um, but honestly, I know a lot of people care about their legacy, and you know, it's like you're going to be cremated, or you're going to in a casket. What are you doing about cremated? People? You're going cremated. Why is sure. that? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, I might have my ashes buried somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. There's not any place I can think of I want them sprinkled. I don't know. I just don't want to take up any more space. Huh. Interesting. Plus, I want to donate all my organs. And then I see me too. I'm getting left. everything. Science, organs, take what you can, take harvest you it out, can. take the ashes, flush them in the toilet. I don't give a shit. You know why? Because here's the thing, and it's so narcissistic. I never got this. It's like, we think we're so important, but we're not. Because yeah. you'll, you'll, they're sticking the ground. Okay, there's a headstone. Great. Okay. Your kids are going to come visit you. Are their kids going to come visit you? Maybe when mom and dad make you, but in a generation, no one. And it's not. It's a, here's this 
Here's this land. You got a headstone there. No one's coming in 20, 30 years to pay homage to your dead ass. It's not going to happen. Get over yourself. Quit taking yourself so seriously. Give your organs a sign. Donate your body to science. Let a medical college cut you up a little bit. Give your corneas to those who don't have corneas. Give your skin to people who don't have skin. And you're dead at that point. Hopefully, your impact is made in the world, not after it. And and so that's the way I look at it. I'm going to leave it all on the table. All right. (laughs) You know what I'm going to do? Because I can. I'm going to leave it all on the table. Watch this. Oh, my God. Every time I touch the table, <sighs> she gives me that mom look. Are, I know. I do have the mom yeah. look down. You know what? Because you only live once, baby. Because... I'm going to do this because you only live once. Oh, my God. This was such a good idea. Whose idea was this? Are you ready to play two questions, one deep and one shallow? Yes. The answer to that question oh, is yes. I was, I Here's your I deep one first. What breaks your heart? I, what breaks my heart is the Bills losing in Super Bowls. How did you become a Bills fan, by the way? I grew up way? in Buffalo. You did. Okay, I missed that. I missed that somehow. I want my I know teams, you and... whether it's Buffalo, Cincinnati, wherever I'm living, is, yeah, is, when the Bills. is I want. Okay, that was a shallow that's answer hard, to a deep question, hard. but it's okay. Well, Sorry, I wanted I to get this sleep. over with, so I answered both. <laughs> okay. No, no, here's what breaks my heart. Um, what really breaks my heart is when people deliberately break their word and um, are in, in stuff for themselves or insincere. Everything's about them. And... I think people who take advantage of children, of the elder, of the less, you know, those people are vulnerable. That that drives me crazy. Okay. One shallow. Um, what's a food that you've never been able to eat that most people like? Eggs. Eggs. Okay. That was easy. I'm going to ask you another shallow one just because you answered that too easily. What fictional character? You never asked me eggs. <laughs> what why f- eggs? Why eggs? Uh, because I think when I was a kid and where I grew up in Western New York, why are you making that face? Go ahead. Uh, we had, uh, well, it was steel industry, right? And you drive past the Coke plants, and there was this, there was this sulfur smell sometimes okay. that they let off. And I must have already been sick or something. And so in my brain, it's like I associate that with eggs. And I remember like just the – so like an egg yolk, not proud, but the white of the eggs with the sulfur literally made me sick to the point where my man, my old, my old man who was kind of a you – know, he was a sadist somewhat. He thought it was funny to make me eat eggs because he knew I was going to throw up. And so it's like, well, you got to fish your eggs, you're not leaving. And I'd be crying and stuff like Aww. that. And, well, yeah, and then I'd never like. It's a traumatic but, but today, moment. Today, um, yeah, I could eat an egg, but it's got to have stuff like uh, cheese in it or salsa or yeah, something Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So, I'm kind of laughing because uh, mine, I, eggs. I don't, I like eggs only if the yellow and white's mixed up together. But if they're like hard-boiled eggs, I used to be able to take gag. like the yolk Ugh. and dunk my toast in it and put bacon on it. But just, it's just, I can't even do that anymore. So yeah, an omelet, good omelet, I'm down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for but sure. Because you have all eggy, other good like, stuff in it. Oh, just no, rough. no. And in other recipes, it's fine. I can eat eggs. I just I'm not allergic to them. I just right. Yeah. That, that's no. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. If you could choose your own nickname, what would it be? My own. If I uh-huh. could choose my yeah. own nickname, yeah. Give yourself a nickname. What would it be? I would say. Let me think here. <laughs> How PG is this? Human tripod. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, I, I don't like nicknames. Oh, that's God, a bad that question. Such a cop out. No, I just I I I think nicknames. People call me Sloney, yeah. just because of the last name. But yeah, I, I think a nickname's earned. You can't like pick your nickname. Dumbass is fine. I've answered yeah. to worse. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. So if you've enjoyed, if you're listening and you haven't fallen asleep, is that a cop or, out? Was that a cop out uh, answer? Yeah. No, that's all right. And haven't changed Stupid to a different podcast yet, and you aren't listening to Howard Stern or somebody else by now, and you want to hear more of Scott Sloan. 
You can download the iHeart app or Mm -hmm. just go online to 700WLW and you can listen live. Now, especially the best part of your 15 hours per week is that time from about 1036 until about 1050 every Wednesday morning when you're in charge and we talk about the deepest and most pressing career questions of the day and you make fun of me. And so um, I've gotten, speaking of tough skin, I've I've thickened my skin up just by being your career Sherpa. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your time today. That's why they call me Nostra Dumbass. Nostra <laughs> Dumbass. Um, I flipped the table on you. I was like, you know what? Look at you with your own career. Here's, here's, here's Mrs. Evolved career, right? She was in the dead end. She was in a rut. She hated her life the whole thing. And I turned her around. You did? Look at her. She's doing a podcast. You turned me around. She's a social did media you? superstar. Yeah, I yeah, fixed Julie yeah, Bauke. yeah. I forgot to say thank you. So we'll just end with that. Thanks. So bitchy sometimes. So bitchy sometimes. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Julie Bauke. If you enjoyed meeting the Evolved Careerist on today's episode, well, we've got a lot more lined up for you. Subscribe, tell your friends, rate us and write a review. And of course, follow us on social media. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can evolve your career, you can contact us through theevolvedcareer.com or thebaukegroup.com. And that's B-A-U-K-E. Do you know somebody who'd be a great guest who has a great career story to tell? Or do you think you qualify? then email me. My email address is in the podcast description. Until next time, here's to your career happiness.